0: This is the Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Rinella. Okay, Alex Lee, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I was just in your neck of the woods. in, 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 in you live in Anchorage, right? I do, yeah. And I was staying with my brother, and I was telling him that I was going to interview an ethicist, and uh, that turned into us talking about you. And then I called you to see if you'd be willing to come on as well, because I want to figure out if you guys are full of shit, you know, <laughs> like if ethics, if you talk to two ethicists, do you get the same answer? Well, you know? I can, I can tell you if that's the litmus test, <clears throat> then we're entirely full of shit. <laughs> oh, see, that could be a whole podcast right there. You oh know yeah. Like, like if you guys aren't driving at the same true. Well, eth- I- I think that has to do with the goal of ethics. I think we're really
1: good at like, clarifying questions, understanding arguments, and like getting into what a position commits you to.
0: Okay. We, dis-
1: we disagree on a whole mess of stuff.
0: Okay. But you're damn sure of exactly what it is you disagree about. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: That makes sense. Um, so anyway, yeah, it turns out you know the other ethicists. You're an environmental ethicist, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. I am. So, turns out you know the other fellow that I talked to, Christopher Preston. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I this is a this is a topic. Uh, what what I want to talk to you about, and what I talked to Christopher about, is a topic that uh, I'm I've been keenly interested in talking to moral philosophers about for some time because I have this strong suspicion that some things that happen quite commonly in the hunting sphere especially at the interface of hunting and hunting culture and hunting entertainment are unethical. Yep. Yeah. Um, so who who better to talk to than philosophers people that have been thinking deeply about moral conduct for thousands of years, right? So um I, I hope so at least. Yeah. Uh, I do too. Uh, I'm watching you, so All right. yeah. Please <laughs> keep, keep me honest. Um, so I want to get a little bit of, of a sense for your background. You're a professor at Alaska Pacific University. Yep. Okay, that's correct. And i and I'm sure that that's a premier academic institution, but uh, somehow I wasn't. I didn't know about that that school what what is it it's in anchorage
1: so apu is in anchorage we are uh we're the liberal arts college in alaska so okay. we're a, we're a small private university in anchorage our campus actually abuts the university of alaska anchorage
0: campus. oh okay so you're um, those two two schools are affiliated in some way then or
1: so we're not there's no official affiliation we share a library um, oh. and, and a few little things like that, but they're like the, they're the large state run university we're the sort of small private liberal arts college next door. Okay. Um, but, uh, within Alaska, at least, um, uh, there's a long history of kind of engaging in Alaska issues and, um, environmental issues, particularly at APU.
0: Um, sure. Yeah. And how do you know, Dan? My I know, da- I,
1: I know your brother, uh, um, originally through, uh, a hunting trip. Um, and you know, since then, I think, I think the time he talked to you, he just called me to see if he could borrow a pair of skis or ski boots or something like that. we've been yeah. skiing with each other a few times too, but yeah, we have kind of a mutual friend who, uh, told me a, a hunting story that perked my ears more than just about any other hunting story I'd ever heard. And, Um, so I ended up applying for the same tag and then I got it. And then I immediately called that buddy and he couldn't, uh, um, uh, come along for moral support, but he put me in touch with your brother who, uh, was happy to, to lend a bit of, um, enthusiasm and expertise and, and join on the trip. Okay, Um, good. Yeah.
0: So, uh, I did the same thing with Christopher I wanted to start out with I wanted to get your take on this um and on on what would how would you say the the benchmarks the uh behind moral philosophy I think this might be interesting to people listening to this like If you're, if if somebody's going to be giving something akin to expert advice on what constitutes moral conduct, yeah, judi- adjudicating ethical issues, then I know there's a few schools of thought on that and. I thought there were only two, but now I think there's four at least, and it's just I think good for people to have a sense of where the uh, like sense of authority comes from. You know, why is you talking about what's right and wrong? Maybe a little bit more informed than me talking about it. Yeah. So I know you
1: you want like my, my two second overview of what is moral philosophy and what do moral philosophers do? Yeah. So I think there's sort of like one great premise that moral philosophers buy into, and that's that certain things are always right or always wrong. Not everybody agrees with that. Some people will say like, look, ethics is about opinion or just about um, certain kinds of subjective social norms. And while social norms and opinion often inform how like, principles in the world play out. So like the golden rule doing to others as you'd have them doing to you. Well, what you're going to do entirely depends on what you would have somebody do to you, right? Like that's going to be the the differentiation, but the principle we might say sort of cuts across uh, uh, more contexts. So um, moral philosophy sort of starts with saying, okay, let's understand what are the things that are sort of always right and always wrong and why. Um, And then within that, there's sort of a few schools of thoughts and in under in, in aiming to understand moral reasoning. Um, so you said, you think there's four, It sort of depends if you're a lumper or you're a splitter. I'm curious what okay. what your four
0: are. <laughs> well, I, so I, I'm a bit of a hobbyist when it comes to philosophy. Sure. Uh, I've been doing kind of a self study in it for, I'd say almost 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Um, and, and, my understanding till quite recently was that one school was the like utilitarian or consequentialist view that uh, what what um, constitutes right and wrong is the greatest good for the greatest number or something akin yep. to that then there's this other school that's more difficult to understand like the the kantian view yeah. of ethics where it, that that isn't that isn't at all what the goal is. It's It's more uh, trying to instantiate some principle regardless yep. of its consequences. Yeah, um, like his categorical imperative that you should never lie for for example. Yep. and and the consequences of not lying can be horrible. If if the if the SS is knocking on your door, wondering where the Jewish people are or something like that. Uh, Yep. But then Christopher talked about another ancient um, virtue ethics, virtue ethics. Yes. I haven't. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I happen you... to
1: know like, what Christopher's viewpoint is. So I, I kind of okay. saw that one coming a little bit. So yeah, virtue ethics is the idea that ethics isn't about ultimately what actions are right or wrong, but about who we are as people. So if we take an ethical question, we could say like, what 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 does our action bring about in the world? That's what consequentialists or utilitarians are going to ask. They're going to uh-huh. say like, well, what does this do? Um, a deontologist and, and a Kantian, but other deontologists as well are going to say like, well, it doesn't matter what world is brought about by our action only, but it also matters what our intentions are. It also matters the nature of the action. It also matters uh, if there are other sort of like permissions or restrictions or rights and responsibilities at play. And we got to figure that out. And then a virtue ethicist is going to say like, well, that's all sort of well and good, but ultimately the way we should approach ethics is by seeking to be better people. Um, and and we should be trying to cultivate our our sort of moral character. And if we're good people, then we're going to end up doing the right stuff, and it'll all sort of work out. Um, and then I imagine your your fourth category is something like um, social contracts, where we agree to certain things. Was that going to oh, be your like you a, like
0: else? a is that like a Rousseau kind of a yeah Rousseau like or Thomas Hobbes? Um, no, no. He he was talking about Christopher was talking about. Some school of ethics that is fairly new that demands that we take non human animals into consideration. Sure. Uh, Yeah. So he didn't, he wasn't trying to say that this is a a conclusive list, but well give me a gloss on both of those well Uh,
1: so yeah so i was sort of describing what we call like normative ethical theories which are are trying to give us some sort of like prescriptive understanding of given the world what's right and wrong the question of if um animals or or non-humans should be included um could apply to any of them right so a consequentialist or utilitarian could say like what matters is what happens to people in the world um, or what matters is, is what happens to people and animals and my dog that's making noise by walking down the stairs yeah. and, and plants and all that uh, a the deontologist ambient
0: background noise i like it
1: yeah exactly uh he's a 13 year old lab so he's allowed to do whatever he wants now. yeah 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 uh, but so right uh like a deontologist could say what matters are rights that people have or maybe there's animal rights and there's environmental rights um and a virtue ethicist could say like well Uh, you have to like cultivate care, uh, or or some sort of like virtue of stewardship. And that means that you have to consider your actions with respect to everything outside. Um, So those are sort of typically like the three big um, normative theories. And there's this, this sort of fourth one that has to do with what we agree to that sometimes people talk about, but then okay, and uh, normative,
0: that's like, it's, it's not, it's, it's the distinction is with descriptive and and normative is we should, you should do this versus people generally do that.
1: Yeah. It's sort of a funky word, but a norm is just a standard we use to make a judgment, right? So if something's unknown, if something's even normal, like that's where we most come in contact with that kind of word, but if Uh something's normal, it just means that we judge things against a standard of that. Okay. Okay normal to do x y or z and it's abnormal to do otherwise that just means x y and z are sort of the standard so normative ethical theories try to understand the norms uh that we we can use to judge right and wrong and it sounds like maybe what chris was talking about was ideas of extending what we consider within those theories sure beyond just people right and yeah that's a big big sort of question in environmental ethics is sort of this question of what counts and how does it count
0: yeah so environmental in environmental ethics i'm I would imagine there are cases where people that are compelled by different schools come to very different conclusions about what constitutes right and wrong yeah although one thing that's interesting to me is that um most
1: people agree on most moral questions and we disagree at sort of the fringes for the most okay. part so we disagree when we get to you know, these cases of, of the SS knocking on the door and you having to tell a lie kind of Mm -hmm. questions. But if you just ask people generally, like, should you help your neighbor hide from the Nazis? They're going to say yes. But if you also ask someone, Hey, like is lying wrong? They're going to say yes too. sure. Moral philosophers like doing is they like taking those, uh, uh, sort of principles and putting them in conflict and seeing what happens. Okay. Like like, Which one wins out here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can always tweak the case and make one win out over the other. for Yeah. Sort of well,
0: and then winning out gets tricky because who's the final arbiter of that, right? Sh- sure. So
1: that's yeah. like a it's like a that's like a style of argument. Um, but ultimately, uh, moral philosophers will make a case that that there's sort of something doing moral work that we can understand through one of these sort of lines of reasoning, we can understand rights as doing moral work, or we can understand consequences as doing moral work. It's also a way of just describing our moral intuitions and our our moral language and our moral reasoning, even if we don't buy into just sort of one theory, Mm -hmm. we we sort of understand the world in terms of consequences, in terms of rights and obligations, and in terms of like virtues and the kind of people we hope to be.
0: Yeah, Um, that that's, that's, that's instructive. And I mean, we we probably shouldn't geek out on this for too long, but it reminds me of like you know who the logical positive positiveists sure. were. Uh, yeah, they had this like humble goal of trying to describe what was distinct about science, you know, and it it was largely an effort to describe what scientists were doing when they were doing science you know yeah uh, so it kind of reminds me of that a little bit yeah um so uh, with the, all the where do you do you do you lean one way or another with all these schools i do i i mean i sort of have two two poles
1: personally i i try to be kind of a, a pragmatist and so i think there's uh, there's this drive and particularly applied ethics to say, like, sometimes the most important thing is to understand what kinds of reasoning are uh, in, in play in a particular case and what people are, are sort of thinking about it. And just sort of trying to illustrate that as best as I can can help make for better decision-making and more considered sort of discussion. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, I personally kind of lean towards deontological reasoning. So I tend to think that um, the best way to understand uh, ethical disagreements and debates is by looking at justifications, what sort okay. of justified against uh, sort of a background. And, and that's because I think ultimately, like we all have a responsibility to, to sort of consider our actions in some mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And that consideration is what justifies doing X, Y, or Z. Um, okay. So with respect to hunting, I mean, I think, I don't know any hunter that would say killing an animal for no reason was okay. That like you, you just willy nilly without any thought, without using any of it, without um, uh, uh, being respectful about taking a shot or not taking a shot or any regard for regulations, just like
0: yeah. something's in
1: the backyard and randomly shooting it and leaving it there. Well, that sort of suggests that like, okay, like it's wrong unless justified. And like, what are the reasons that we can use to say like, this is a considered justifiable, either permissible or good thing to do?
0: yeah um, i i'm I, I share i share your conclusion that <clears throat> the vast majority of hunters wouldn't would, would say there's got to be some reason uh unfortunately it's gotten to a point where among the reasons are, are things like killing a whole bunch of animals to keep your instagram feed going which is which i would say is an example
1: of a bad reason
0: <laughs> yeah right? yeah and we'll, and we'll get into that for sure uh but uh I, a couple, a couple little 30,000 foot view things before we get into the specifics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, when I was talking to Christopher, I just, he, 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 I walked away from it with a lot of, with some answers, but a lot of questions. And it's not because he did a poor job. He did a great job. But it just, the conversation and thinking about it afterwards led to some questions. Sure. So. Is it and I kind of got I kind of asked him about this, but I hadn't developed the question because it came along, came to me as we were talking. Yep. What's the difference between something being rude and unethical? Oh,
1: that's a great question. Now, like in part, that's gonna end on depend on your ethical theory. So, like something that's rude because it's impolite, but does no harm some ethical theorists are going to say there's nothing wrong with that like if we understand Mm -hmm. ethics just in terms of uh uh, something like pleasures and pains then well there's not anything wrong it's just impolite it's sort of a social norm but um i i think if you ask like well what kind of person would be a rude person well Mm -hmm. i don't really want to be that kind of person that's where um uh, we could say like rudeness is an example of sort of a, a character vice or, or at least someone not doing their best. Um, and then for me, like I, I would tend to say that being rude in context usually comes with something like um, using a person in some way or um, uh, I like the word rude specifically too. I'm trying to articulate this as best I can. Like if it's not using somebody it there could otherwise be some sort of like principle at work that's being neglected. So like whatever rights that person has to, um, be like sort of fairly engaged are being disregarded, um, uh, or, or other sort of, and it's not like that's going to be sort of a right on par with like life and property, but that's still sort of like a form of social trespass or something like that um that would be how i think of it yeah Um, so i don't i i think like it depends on your view it also depends on your interpretation uh some people are going to say some things are rude that other people aren't going to say is rude but i would say like on the whole rudeness can be wrong it can be morally wrong but where they come apart is where one is just a matter of like social conventions and the other is a matter of something that's sort of objectively bad behavior for anybody
0: yeah i want to i'm where we're heading here if you're willing is i'm gonna yeah lay out four or five things that i struggle with yeah morally in hunting and get your take on them but it'd be nice to categorize them as either Matt Ranella, this is just some beef of his that he should shut up about. Yeah. Or it's rude, or it's unethical, or it's lacking in taste, or it's uh, an obvious virtue and everybody should be doing it. Uh, so hopefully, I'll remember to press us to try to categorize these things as well, we go through well, them thing- a little bit anyway. I, I,
1: I like that. And I think, I mean, one way that I would also categorize them in terms of what's sort of wrong is thinking about for a given action, does it make things better? That's sort of like the consequentialist reasoning. Does it mm-hmm. promote good behavior or, or the right behavior? That's sort of like deontological reasoning. And then what kind of person would do it? That's kind of your, your okay. virtue.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Let's so if you both. just say like, man, a jerk is the sort of person that would do this. That's evidence of something that I would say is, is a moral problem um, that you can explain through something like virtue theory. If it's yeah. something that neglects a sort of clear right or promotes bad behavior, it's sort of obvious that it, 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 it's something that's wrong deontologically. And if it just makes the world worse, it's wrong. Consequentially.
0: What one of these is one of these we'll go, get into is, what kind of jerk would do this, but for the sake of the hunting community, thank god they do, huh? So, I'm gonna have you play with that for a while. But when we get right. to it, uh, yeah, um, then another thing Christopher said was that, in ideally, like in the polis, the in 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 the law, in society uh, ethics would go with laws hand, hand in, hand and glove. Would, would you, would you agree with that? I, uh, I wouldn't go
1: so far as to say hand in glove. I would mm-hmm. say ideally our legal system mirrors our moral system, but I think for practical reasons, there's always going to be uh, a place where it sort of pulls apart around, um, there's just a difference to me between what what you should mandate because of conflicting rights. I mean, this is sort of a rights-based approach, but um, there are some things that I would say uh, it would be wrong to force somebody to do, even though it would be right for them to do. So for instance, I could like call my mom on the cell phone right now and just say, hey, F you, mom. Mm-hmm. I think that's wrong to do. I think that's actually morally wrong for me to do, but I also think it would be morally wrong for like the government to make it illegal for me to do. No,
0: that. that's a better example. Uh, because of, fr- because of free speech. Sure. That's a better example than the one I was going to press you on, which is, are you married? Yeah. Yeah. There's no law against me sleeping with your wife. Sure. That, yeah. I, I actually think that's a, that's a a, a similar
1: example, right? It, it's a okay. similar kind of example. I, I and I mean, maybe like the adultery example, there's a better case that there's sort of a narrower gap there between Mm -hmm. what's illegal and what's immoral. Whereas the like F you mom case, I think there's like a pretty wide gap. I don't know. Like I could imagine some non-zero part of the population saying that both should be illegal. But but I just imagine that like a, a lot, many more people would say adultery should be illegal than saying F you mom sure um, i just can't imagine a lot of people would say like that should be against the law sure um, just
0: just to put you at ease i've never been good with the ladies so i don't think it's anything <laughs> you should worry about <clears throat> okay so you do a little hunting yeah uh all all in alaska uh th- these days yeah oh um, you spent some time in colorado is that right so i
1: went to grad school yeah i went to grad school in colorado um i lived in in boulder and then in leadville for a number. where of are years. you from so i grew up in the northeast um, okay and i didn't grow up hunting uh i grew up fishing um uh and and doing a lot of stuff outdoors and there was like a, a very little bit of hunting in my family but um it, it wasn't anything that like we did as a family, uh, but it wasn't a foreign I,
0: concept either. Like, yeah. Different.
1: It wasn't a foreign con, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, so the idea of eating game meat or the idea of a hunting trip wasn't, wasn't crazy to me growing up. And also I think like, there's a bit of a lateral move from fishing to hunting. Um, mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, but, uh, when I moved to Colorado, I got a lot more interested in both, um, understanding my food, and then also just sort of the, 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 like the rec opportunities out West and how hunting was a part of outdoor recreation in a different way than it was out East. And that sort of got me excited to learn more about it. Uh Um, And then since moving to Alaska, um, I've stopped buying meat and oh. and and sort of really take pride in sort of that element of hunting and understanding what's in my freezer
0: no um, good for you
1: good for you so yeah that's my my two-second story yeah I've also been a vegetarian at times as, um, as,
0: as has Christopher sure I like people huh. like that and that, like that have a Cause it shows a level of really thinking about what it means to kill another sentient being. Yeah. Food, you know?
1: Well, and I was I mean, a vegetarian because I was uncomfortable with industrial agric- agriculture see. before yeah. I personally had the skills to be able to fill my freezer. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know? Um, I think that, I think that for anybody that really gives it some thought, it's, got to be easier to square hunting um to factory farming
1: I right, yeah i mean i fully think so
0: um, at the very least hunting
1: forces you to personally square all parts yeah, there's no right, mediation right, you know right. if i just go to costco and buy a bunch of meat i'm so many steps removed that i don't have to personally justify anything yeah. I'm just, I'm just buying whatever at the store, yeah. you know. You you hired a um, hit you hired a hitman. Yeah, and there's other reason, you know. I don't want to sound too critical. There's other reasons people are gonna buy meat at the store, like cost and availability and access and a whole slew of other oh, ways that you can and ethically th- and thank engage. god I mean
0: our two choices are as a society are by and large be a vegetarian or in some way, shape, or form buy meat. The, the, this sure. hunting thing cannot be a solution
1: no it can't be and, and same with like the or you know some the, the the other argument is like organic locally sourced meat and i'm a big fan of that too but that also you know just from a calorie standpoint there's not enough
0: yeah um, sure you know, even that yeah
1: backyard chickens it's or the, the pig fun. down it's, the road
0: yeah it's a huge problem it's yeah. a huge problem if you because if, you could you, we, we can people like to talk about i talk to a lot of hunters and i'm a hunter and like talk about that but that's like freaking niche
1: yeah you know oh, yeah.
0: so niche but if you have the choice
1: then i morally then, think sure. y- you have to justify not making the choice to, to absolutely. go one way versus the other. absolutely um, yeah but even only if you have
0: yeah well even though it take you know it probably it makes a minor impact on um animal well-being to be a hunter like for
1: sure although well here i'll give you a another little thought experiment so one of the reasons i am a a deontologist and not a consequentialist is because i just think there's too much uh, there's too many areas where consequences don't seem like they're doing the moral work so to me the impact i have on um, industrial agriculture isn't why i don't want to engage with it it's more akin to like uh something like mob murder so imagine like a hundred people are in a mob and they kill somebody, mm-hmm. whether or not you participate has not, has no impact on whether or not somebody gets killed by the mob. Okay. But I would still say it's obviously wrong. Uh-huh. For you to uh-huh. Participate in mob murder, even though the world is no better off for your yeah. lack of participation, but yeah. like you still can't justify participating. Right. Um, and the wrongness of everybody else doesn't make it right for you to go, you know,
0: and you said that take and so Kant was a deontologist yeah okay so that yeah it's like his like so comport yourself that's a maxim of your maxim of your actions would if it if you could if you could instantiate it in all cases yeah. for all time yeah it makes, it makes really it, universal yeah 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 it makes i love yeah that's that's great that's really great so it sounds like, oh, okay. Did you, and you hunted in Colorado? A little bit. Yeah. Um, a lot of small game hunting and,
1: and went on. I've, I I've sort of a long <laughs> story to attempt at becoming a tried and true elk hunter, uh, with marginal success. But yeah, that's sort of where I started going on hunts every year, um, and getting more into it. I bought my first gun in Colorado.
0: I'll put I that see. Way. Uh, Like. It's you're, you're far enough along in your path as a hunter then to understand that there's this, this, that there's a very vibrant hunting social media scene. Yeah, for sure. And to know that crowding can be an issue. Yep. I think that crowding is an enormous issue. Yeah. And I guess how you say uh, in the sense that if, if it wasn't for crowding, people would be having a much more enjoyable experience would be one thing. Yeah. And that wildlife for a, a significant chunk of the year would be having a much more, enjoyable experience so a lot of my concerns center around crowding and i know that even in alaska can be an issue my brothers won the sheep hunt this year where they went flew in with 40 mile air i don't know if you know them and if they were dropping guys and gals right on top of them and it was just like just there were people everywhere, and the thought that anybody's yeah. going to find a legal ram is pretty freaking. It's like a joke. Yeah. So even there, I gather it can be, crowding can be an issue. Is that well? Your, yeah.
1: I mean, he, here access points. Uh, I mean, so airplane hunts are sort of a whole other thing. But if you're trying to hunt off the road system or even off the river system, you're con you're constraining everybody to a fairly small number of access points. A small okay. number of Trailheads or public land corridors. And so that certainly can create that problem. I mean, I also think it's, it goes beyond hunting to just outdoor recreation in general general, right now. So many people are getting outside. Um, I mean, I, so like, I kind of have two conflicting viewpoints which is maybe if you ask me on for clarity starting with my own conflict that pulls me both ways isn't a great way to to solve your you know answer your your question but i think well like, yeah
0: and i haven't gotten to it yet i just want well, to substantiate with you that crowding has an impact on hunter satisfaction and on on wildlife
1: yes i think it does uh but i do think there's some caveats to that where it has the impact is proportional to the distance you are from one of the population centers and alaska is so big that so much of the state is so far uh that i you know if you're hunting moose in like far western alaska you're you're probably not that worried about overcrowding that's cool but if you're but if you're an anchorage you really are yeah. Um, you know, or if you're trying to, to drive somewhere, uh, then I think, yeah, you really are
0: um, yeah. in the lower 48. I don't think, I don't think there's, you can be crowded no matter you can, you can sure. be impacted yeah. by other hunters, no matter where you go.
1: Well, and that, and that Alaska issue of, of like, there's an access issue there too. If you are from a rural community in um, a more remote part of the state, uh, this sort of, it's different. But if you're tr- like from Anchorage or Fairbanks or Juneau, or if you're traveling to Alaska for a hunt, your ability to succeed is sort of proportional to the amount of money you'll spend on transportation to some extent. Mm-hmm. Like if you can afford a plane drop, or uh, uh, if you have a boat, um, your odds just go way up. Sure, That's
0: so much further out. Um, and down and, and down that, and, and down here, uh, those those yeah, those things not so much. But down yeah. here, uh, uh, if you can afford to play the l- draw uh, lottery. All sure. over the entire U.S., so that you can get tags for units where they only give out a couple tags. Yeah, and if you can afford to lease land, or yep. hire an outfitter that's leased up land, definitely, or buy land. That's the yep. big thing where I live in the state where I live, Montana, where yeah. people are bu- moving here and buying amenity ranches just for hunting. Sure. Yeah, buying access here is also... There's a lot of trespass
1: permits you can buy for, oh, for really? big chunks of land. Oh, Yeah, a lot of the um, Alaska Native corporations... I don't know about a lot, but a few of the big Alaska Native corporations will give uh, trespass permits for certain hunts. For oh, instance. okay. Um, like then Sea there's Alaska?
0: Some,
1: I don't know about Sea Alaska. I know Otna does for some hunts. Um, and I believe Doyon does for some hunts, but okay. I'm not positive about that. Uh, and then there's some private land owners that just happen to own the exact right access spot that goes between the road and public land and you can pay them, you know, a grand to walk across. Yeah, yeah, I have a little... But yeah, it it creates unequal access, right? It means that that the access is sort of dependent on on money, which I think is a bummer. I mean, that's, Uh you know. Yeah.
0: So, all right. The first one I want to... The first specific concern I want to play around with is like, let's say I think, well, I have a, I, I am, I I am firmly committed to, I mean, I'm committed enough to this notion that, that I started a podcast because I don't think I would have started this podcast if it wasn't for this notion, but that social media influencers and hunting TV personalities contribute to crowding. And mm-hmm. there's, there's ways in which that, that might be unethical and other ways in which it's not like, oh, this is something I grapple with so much, but let's say that social media influencers, because they're influencing these folks are if, if nothing, they're influencing the hunting products people buy, but they're certainly also influencing their decision to hunt. There's, sure. Uh, and hunting tv certainly has an impact on, on increasing the number of people to hunt. yep and so if you were to graph hunter numbers on the x-axis and the amount of satisfaction hunting brings society on the y-axis i i suspect that it would be a hump shaped relationship where satisfaction to society would increase and then it would plateau. And then if, if uh, right now 5% of Americans hunt, certainly if 50% of Americans hunt, hunted, then it would start to dip.
1: Well, I think if 50% of Americans hunted, then 0% of Americans would be hunting
0: the next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'd be this right. bifurcating relationship yeah. where, where masses of people got in and out. So there's ways in which like people can counter me quite easily, counter my concerns by saying, well, you're just selfish. You're just trying to keep it all to yourself. And these are, these are criticisms that have been leveraged against me so uh i i try to i'm trying to stick to ones where they're really i'm not i'm not open to that so open to that criticism because i'm I'm just firmly i firmly believe i'm not trying to be selfish and keep it to myself i have a lifelong I i have a lifetime of experiences about trying to help people learn how to hunt yeah so but i am opposed to trying to gin up interest in hunting and make it look cool on the internet and be a hunting hero to get try to get more people into it because I think it's overcrowded but anyway so here's one where that relates to crowding and a, a potential effect by influencers and hunter and, and hunting tv that might be unethical and I want to get your take on it yeah so let's say that there's some national forest somewhere and there's it's all the goal here for me is i asked christopher these same these same questions and i want to see how <laughs> you guys comport in your answers like sure uh it's a, a national forest somewhere some people have hunted it their whole life they have a deep connection to it their grandparents and and parents hunted it, and they, they, they've helped protect it. They and fought for it, and very intimate with it. And then the first time somebody ever shows up there, somebody comes down. The first time they've ever been there in their entire life, because they drew some tag or out of state tag or something, they bring a camera. Um. And they film it, and it's pretty obvious where it is. And the next year, those these people that have been that have this intimate connection with this place are inundated with other hunters. Is there any? Is that? Is that okay? Well, like we were saying, is it rude? Is it unethical? Or is it something Matt Rinaldo should get over? <laughs> Uh I
1: I think there like one of the challenges is how much nuance there is in any of these particular
0: cases. But here's I gotta my- turn my furnace off here. One second. I'm Go afraid it's going sh- I'm a fledgling plot podcaster and I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out how to have a at least a C minus audio quality. So I wanna turn this thing off.
1: Yeah, yeah, no worries. All right, sorry. Uh, no worries. Um, so, yeah, here's my two cents on it. Um, on one hand, more people outside is a beautiful problem. And I just, I, I really think that, like...
0: I agree more... with everything about hunting.
1: Sure. And, and like, there's, there's a question there about, yeah, like, uh, um, what's different about hunting? And to some extent uh i would say like the bulk of those hunters are going to be unsuccessful right if a new area is inundated so so is is unsuccessful hunting categorically different from hiking or something like that and maybe but 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 i think like how i'm thinking about it is okay like on one hand more people outside i think is a good thing um because people will only protect stuff they know Uh, but on the other hand i think there is this misunderstanding that um sharing a story is a non-consumptive use of a resource. Mm. So everybody knows that like, there's a, well, I won't say everybody hunters have an understanding or at least most hunters uh, that I respect have an understanding that carrying capacity has to guide management and you can't shoot too many animals or else there won't be any animals left. Yeah. Um, And I think we tend to think of that as somehow categorically different from going outside and taking a picture or writing a story about going outside or similarly going on a hike. That's not a hunt um, where you're not using anything up in a consumptive way. You're just engaging with something that doesn't count against some total. I don't think that sharing stories is um, fundamentally non-consumptive for the exact problem you're pointing out. So I think when you share,
0: sharing hunting stories.
1: Yeah. Sharing a hunting story. Um, And I'd go beyond that. I mean, I think it might apply to it, certainly applies to anything connected with consumption. So, fishing or something else where something's used up, berry picking, I'd even say skiing. I'm a, oh, this is skier. so I interesting. Think it's the same thing. Um, I think, like, if it ties back to that, then fundamentally, when you share information, you are participating in the consumption of others, but we don't recognize it. Mm-hmm. So, so, we don't recognize it as counting against that tally. Um, so uh, we think of it as this non-consumptive resource use, but it's not. And then one other thing that I think is really important to recognize is that um, promoting hunting access, in my mind, doesn't mean making it easier to hunt or, or even getting people interested in hunting and getting getting. I don't even, I don't like the idea of getting just more people hunting just to get more people hunting, but sharing the stoke for hunting or something like that, which I, I would say that doesn't seem like a bad idea at all to me. That seems like a great idea, but that doesn't seem to me to be at all about making it easier for people to go hunting. So if you have that piece of land that, yeah, your, your family's fought for and you've hunted your whole life and you have this special connection with, and then you meet somebody new in that spot that has the same connection with it and has fought equally hard for it and has their own sort of backstory about why it's important to them. I'm going to guess you're not going to be like mad about them being there.
0: <laughs> they, yeah. they, 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 I, I, would I, I wouldn't be as mad, maybe not as mad, <laughs> yeah. maybe not mad
1: in the same way. Hell you know? no. Um, that is right? a
0: guy with a camera that's trying to make a box. Yeah. yeah. Or even the folks that follow the guy with the camera
1: um, to yeah. right. in the same place. Right. Yeah. right? I think like, if everybody that ends up there is there for like not just because it's easy but because they care about the place they've put a lot of thought and diligence into they've done their homework they've participated in in the stewardship of the place they're considering all the elements of their hunt and then they sort of like go out and seek that experience yeah like sure it might it might be a bummer to to run into folks if you're trying to have um uh sort of a more solitary experience or if it affects your success rate but the
0: problem's not the same like oh, to me the and, problem and i was and my tongue was firmly in my cheek like oh yeah when i said that i mean i yeah I,
1: but somebody
0: if i had way rather way rather run into somebody that had a deep connection with the place than some guy that was like watching hunting tv and was able to Kind of piece together where. Yeah, or finds a geotagged social media post and just yeah, goes there. Yeah. Uh,
1: right. Like, I, so I think the problem is that one, like, it's consumptive. And that means that the kind of consideration we should be putting into sharing those stories and those, those videos needs to recognize that. Um, and then two, like, the point is not that it should be easier always. <laughs> like, I don't think easier is better. Mm-hmm. Like, And I think there is there is actually like a moral quality to that kind of claim okay. that part part of how we justify hunting um, is not in virtue of its ease, or at right. least I, I don't think you can justify hunting as well because it's easy. That means it's okay. I think part of what actually makes it okay is that it's hard. Mm-hmm. Part of what I think does make it okay is that you really need to put a lot of work into understanding uh, animals and, and places and people who use those places and people who use those animals and the ecosystem and how it's changing, what pressures are on, are on it. And I think like that work is part of, at least for me, how I
0: justify planning hunting trips right now. Okay. Wait, why is it, why would it be less morally justified if it were easy? If it were easy to me, I mean, this is a, this is where
1: I'm. I, this is this will sound controversial. Maybe um, I think the easier it is, the more it starts to look like buying meat at the grocery store. Okay. Or or buying meat at the grocery store and buying you know a set of antlers at the antique shop. I, I see. Moment. Okay. Like the easier it is, the less it's about you, your personal reasons for hunting, how you're justifying killing that animal, what you're doing with it, and it's a lot more about just going and, and getting something that um, uh, is, is there. Like okay. There necessarily is in my mind, there's necessarily less consideration that has to go into something if it's easier to do. And the harder something is to do the more consideration that has to go into it. Okay. Maybe that means that, yeah, like the right person can under the right circumstances, um, have that easy sort of experience, tick all the boxes. And, and certainly like. I've had a couple really easy big game hunts and it's awesome when it works out that way.
0: Um, yeah. I like to think right? that like I paid I, on the rare occasion. I get one of those. I like to think I paid with paid for it in times, he, in, you know, hunting trips fast.
1: Absolutely. I tried to actually recently, I tried to calculate how many hours I'd spent moose hunting before shooting a moose. Mm. And I, my first successful moose hunt was this past fall and it, I very few hours were spent hunting, mm. but the last five years, it's been like weeks and weeks. Okay. Of okay. wandering around yeah. bogs getting soaking wet, trying to figure out what on earth I'm doing and what I'm <laughs> doing wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was like the overall ratio of work to to output was like really bad, but this year's ratio was incredibly
0: Great. good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you burn over the course of your moose hunting career, you burned off five moose worth of calories.
1: Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and 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 burned through multiple pairs of rubber boots in the process. But right. right, so like, it's not saying that, that the hunt has to be hard. But I think like the process of hunting, um, the, the harder it is, the more it makes you think about what you're doing. And, and like, this isn't supposed to like, I don't mean that to criticize anybody. It, it's, it's more that like, all of us will have a harder time engaging in moral contemplation about our actions, if the actions are easier. That's Mm -hmm. just what we do. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, you don't think about stuff if it's easier, once it's harder, you have to think about it more. And that forces you to ask some like tougher questions. Okay, Um,
0: So yeah, that that makes some sense to me. Um, one thing that comes to mind is like, like the easiest hunting has got to be to go with an outfitter that's leased up some land and they kind of like lead you out to an area where they know there's some game and game and and maybe in a lot of cases they tell you exactly which one to shoot um and and in that case i would argue that about five percent of the accomplishment is yours because executing the shot is got to be about five percent of a successful hunt the the, the, the rest of it belongs the, the accomplishment is that of the outfitter or, or your dollar your hard hard working yeah money well more. and i
1: think i mean to to some extent i think that might depend on the nuance of the case right has someone been dreaming of a particular hunt and worked hard for a decade to make it happen and done a ton of research and put in the time and, and look through topo maps and hired an outfitter. Cause it's their one chance and they want to make sure that they make the most out of it. Or is it the, Hey, let's just, I'm going to spend half a million dollars for, for a spot in, you know, a record book somewhere.
0: Um, and um, go I'd say most of the time you hire an outfitter to hunt on private land it's not like sure. you're pouring yeah, yeah, over yeah. topo maps you're like you expect that the outfitter knows or one of his guides knows where to take you well but if so if if we have those two ends of the
1: spectrum like right the that the the one in a million guy that pours over the topo maps and then also the the kind of one in a million guy that's going to spend you know a house amount of money to go shoot a specific animal halfway around the world like if 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 the lines between those it kind of matters that it's it's between them and not outside of them. Like it matters that, that the line is going to be somewhere in that spectrum. So I don't think there's anything that's like categorically wrong about hiring outfitters, but I would agree that it makes it easier to not think as hard about it. But I would hope that what you're doing there is you're sort of hiring an expert that's going to help make good decisions, right? Not just make successions to make you successful, but make also ethical decisions that could be like part of what would make a good outfitter a good outfitter.
0: I, I don't think there's anything unethical about hiring an outfitter that works pri- public land. So he's not exclu- yeah. excluding others. Uh, one of the reasons I'm talking to you and we're moving on to another question that was in the set sure. of questions I wanted to ask about, but I do I do worry about people that lease up land or buy up land for hunting or hire a guide that's done. So, um, and thereby like decrease, decreasing the acres available to the common man. Sure. Um, and when crowding's an already already an an issue, I I don't know. To me, that I I I've I've been saying that it's the most like cut through cutthroat thing that hunters do to other hunters. I think yeah. of the I like you hear the hunting community. I say it all the time. The hunting community. I like to think about the as us as a as a community. And is, is that being a good community member, where crowding is a major issue? And maybe you're going to go out to some area where people live in that area their whole lives and they have a hell of a time finding a quality hunting experience anymore. Maybe they used yeah. to, I have friends in the community, in the area where I live, they used to be able to hunt all this ranch land around here. But now, even though they live here their whole lives, they can't find a, a, a quality experience because people have come in and bought it up, all up, looking for an exclusive experience for the for themselves. And then I think about how what the land—the sorts of land we're talking about here is largely farms and ranches. And I don't know, Christopher didn't think that this played in, but I still worry that over a third of farm and ranch income is from you and me, the taxpayer. Uh, so you'd think that that would like make landowners think about maybe allowing some public hunters hunting because um, there's, there's, there's the, the public is helping finance their livelihood. This seems to me, they should be somewhat inclined to allow some public hunting because of that. But at the end of the day, I hasten to add Alex, I don't put any of this, like if there is an ethical issue to me, I don't put any of it on the landowner. Sure i don't put any of it on the outfitter yeah i'd I'd rather keep it internal to the hunting community and i i don't know what it is if it's rude or unethical well i I think by rocker but
1: i think there's a weird other way to think about the problem which is that um we've privatized uh Land explicitly, and we talk about public land versus private land, but there is not a symmetrical, uh, sort of public domain for how we think about animals.
0: Well, they're property of the state, they're
1: property of the state, but the access to shoot that animal with a tag that legally lets you do it does not go wherever the animal goes. (laughs) Yes. So right, the, like the yes, the, the the management of the land gets stamped over the animal, rather than the management of the animal over the land. Mm-hmm. So you, you can right. imagine a system where, look, if you have a right to shoot an animal, you have a right to shoot an animal. It doesn't matter where the animal. Y- you're is. right. Right. Yep. <laughs> Instead, it's no, no, no. I would like, much prefer your, that
0: system personally.
1: Your your right of private property supersedes the the right to to yes. shoot the animal. So there's sort of a question of like there are these two rights that we're trying to juggle, and we've just decided that the land right has more power than than the hunting right in that mm-hmm. in that particular case. And you know, if I think about that, I don't know if that's right or not. I'd want to think about that a lot more. But I'm I'm not, I've never thought of it well, that when way. When we
0: say it, it that, the question for me is the thing that, that it is people that buy other people out. Sure.
1: Well and I would say like it, it one one way it could be wrong is if it should be the case that the right to hunt has priority over, over land okay. ownership right? Yep. So if you own a, a quota for an animal, right, a tag for an animal, a harvest ticket for an animal, whatever, whatever it is in in a particular state and particular um, species, if you have that that right to go out and try to shoot an animal, it could be the case that that right should take precedent over somebody else's right to. Uh, put up a fence. Um, mm-hmm. It's not saying it's not saying one right's like illegitimate or anything like that. It's saying, look, we got to balance two rights, and it's not immediately clear when two rights come in conflict which one um, takes precedent. Often we just look sort of historically, and historically, land ownership is really deeply ingrained uh, in our in our culture in our society um, in a way yeah. that hunting yeah. isn't. Yeah, but it's that doesn't mean that the hunting right is necessarily like worth less or or necessarily um should take uh, sort of a backseat to the ownership right i don't know i'd want to think more about that but at least yeah. that's one way it could be wrong yeah um, yeah to, to, to keep people out yeah i because you're keeping I them wanna... from
0: a right like right. you are keeping
1: them, right you know
0: yeah so what i so I, I, mean, I don't have one... any interest in like with in, in in talk there's no part of my agenda that's geared towards changing laws sure like i don't i don't want to say what the law is i'm just trying to point out some some ways in which maybe people haven't realized that they're screwing other people and and there's also ways in which i this is the biggest one for me is i think that um, the hunting community doesn't act in its own interest. Yeah. Sometimes with voting, but I'm not that's not even part of my thing. I'm sure what I mean is by looking at, and I, I've talked about this and we you, we can talk about it if you want, but I've talked about it at nauseum already, but by looking at hunting social media and hunting TV, I think that they're not acting in their own interest because if sure. they stopped looking at it, it would go away. And I think all kinds of benefits might ensue from that. I don't know if it's too late to walk back the dog now uh, on a lot of this, but I, yeah, we can talk about why. Well, I mean, social media in general,
1: I think just creates perverse incentives and it hides motivations and it creates a sort of fear of missing out and, and sort of metric of comparison that's just a little mm-hmm. insane, right? It, it, it turns us all into sort of.
0: Of a, a worse version of ourselves in some yeah, sense yeah and there's all uh, kinds of evidence I've been, I've been reading up on this and i've reached out to a couple of psychologists because i'd like to have somebody on to talk yeah. about this because like well yeah so there's clinical evidence that's linked to depression anxiety yeah. short-term memory loss uh this is like following influencers yeah. in general so what I think is super interesting, and this is just anecdotal and and
1: not me as an ethicist, just me as a, a person. Um, and I I just sort of a little bit of background, I quit social media this past year. I oh. I was fed up with it for some of these exact reasons. Um uh and I've noticed that so many people use the same set of reasons to defend why they use social media. They say, Oh, well, I'm trying to connect with friends, or Oh, I just really want to be able to enjoy content about stuff that I'm interested in to learn more. And to, to some extent, all of that, all those common reasons ignore the fact that the people with the most followers who are putting out the most posts are trying to sell you something
0: yeah oh yeah they
1: have a different motivation on the other side of that coin that has nothing to do with that like i just want to know how my high school buddies are yeah like no but then you're constantly being fed this feed of somebody trying to sell you something and then that creates a standard by which you and all your friends who aren't trying to sell each other something end up comparing what you do yeah Um, (laughs) right yes and to me that's just like it doesn't serve anybody well
0: Um, yeah yeah it, it yeah it, and uh what yeah which how does that work it's it could go one way that that people that have a lot of there that, that are selling a lot of products are more motivated to have a good social media account so they end up getting more followers but In the hunting sphere, that's definitely not the way it works. In the hunting sphere, you work your ass off to get as many followers as you can so that you can get more people to sponsor you. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, that's, we even call them influencers because they are trying to influence us. Like, that's where the word comes from, right? Like, they're influencing all the the norms and standards around us. And I think, like, fundamentally that, like, people either trying to sell you something or I agree, there's the, the hunting for sponsorship <laughs> uh, kind of idea um, uh, that um, that's fundamentally different from a context where you where where it's sort of free open and honest exchange. I didn't mean free in, in a monetary sense there. I, I just mm-hmm. meant like there, it's an honest exchange of um, content and ideas. Like I don't have the same problem with a magazine. If you go buy a hunting magazine, you know the magazine is going to have ads and those ads are going to try to sell you something. Okay, and you know, yeah. Right, and, and you know so that that's the, interesting. The people that are writing something. What is the well, difference it, there? It's formalized in a separate box. You have to open the page and engage with it knowing full well exactly what what sort of arrangement you're getting into. You know the ads are ads and you know that the people that are writing stories have, have some skin in the game. Um, not only that, uh it's sort of it's curated in a way that i actually think um is important there's an important sort of screen on stuff um to tell a uh i mean not a less biased story but to tell a um a story that has some checks and balances and at least somebody saying hey did this really happen or uh you know that yeah. sort of thing um yeah maybe that's maybe that's hypocritical to sort of see that divide or 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 to say there's something that's morally distinct between the two but to me at least it seems like um it's way more honest to go engage with like a
0: magazine yeah i i get that media. sense too i can't formalize why i think that but I, I i agree with you i mean in general i think that there's way too much if if the if the goal is to keep hunting you know the north american model of wildlife management Mm -hmm. so but there's some you know that that uh um wildlife should be only hard only should, should only be harvested for a legitimate reason and it should be equitably distributed to people those are two of the tenants yeah if if those if we believe in those two tenants then i think there's way too much hunting content it's way too much a source of entertainment and way too much using dead animals to sell products if those are goals so that's a really good point i actually think that's
1: that's one way of saying exactly what's wrong about this um because I, I mean, in general, I agree with you. I, like, and and I, for me, it goes way beyond hunting. My problems with social media right now, mm-hmm. but um, I think that in hunting specifically, um, uh, the enter like hunting for the entertainment of others seems wrong to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like, and it seems like that's that's wrong no matter what moral philosophy you adopt. So I don't think that,
0: so if we say like, transcends schools,
1: I think so. So if you think like, well, what kind of person would um, uh, uh, kill an animal for the entertainment of others alone or for the primary drive of the entertainment of others, that just doesn't, that doesn't compute to a good reason to me, like pure entertainment. There doesn't seem to be any engagement with respect for the animal there. That's, that's sort of the line for me.
0: Yeah. Um, So what about, what about this? What if this is a weird thing to think about, but what if it, I mean, there's a lot of expense and effort that goes into making a hunting TV show. Yeah. What if somehow it was you had to, that, that the person that made the show had to either give up the footage or the meat? And they chose to give up the meat.
1: Would that be wrong? I maybe I don't understand the question. So, like if if they're facing a decision where either they have to leave the meat behind or they have to leave the footage yeah, behind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they choose to leave the meat behind. Yeah. yeah. So to me, that says like like one of the premises of, of or one of the premises I hear in hunting media specifically is that it's not just about entertainment. It's about entertainment and education.
0: Or yeah, which is such fucking bullshit. But and we can get into that too.
1: But if we let's just hypothetically give uh um give them the and, and the
0: benefit of the doubt.
1: The benefit of the doubt and say, okay, okay, it's about education and access and conservation and entertainment. And entertainment is a vehicle to those other things. Then okay. it's then we're not saying like hunting just for, for entertainment. Because I think most hunters would agree that like. Hunting just for entertainment—I don't think most hunters would buy into that. I think they would say, like, "Well, if entertainment is a pathway to education, access, and conservation, then sure, then it's a pathway to good stuff." Mm-hmm. But um, I think what you're doing right now is you just gave a litmus test for when we're we're just saying it's about education mm-hmm. or, or these other values, and actually, it's really. A, like what's driving the ship is entertainment so yeah if so you what is
0: that what are they what are you educating what are these people educating people about
1: uh so i to be fair i mean i think a lot of hunting media these days is about educating non-hunters about hunters or trying to uh that's one thing that i think what is, is
0: it what is it teaching them and what's what are the some of the specific things that are they're they're being taught i mean view uh is it that that might just that, depend that you on the make case chill, that some people make chili out of their deer because <laughs> i mean i don't I, well, so i don't know like I, mean, without I, a I think people I know, that know that in general you know i, th- I hear the education bit a, a lot and I, yeah. I just have a hard time getting my head around what exactly is being taught. what's the lesson yeah. yeah
1: no i and i mean maybe it's like a, it's aspirational it's that like hunting shows want to educate um I mean, one thing I actually like, so this is, and this is anecdotal again, but what I've seen in hunting media these days is I do think there's some amount of education that says, Hey, um, hunters out there, we always talk about, um, using as much of an animal as we can, but let's actually dive into how you might use every bit of the animal that you can. Like that's, that's, I think an important lesson. I think we, I think hunting hunters love talking about how hunters are conservationists. Um, And I think that uh, far fewer hunters actually engage with conservation work uh, meaningfully. And I think some hunting media tries to show like, okay, like what is the conservation work uh, sort of behind this place or this species? Um, uh, So I, like, I, you know, I don't think, I don't think that's always BS. Um, No, but I I don't either. To your point, if, if entertainment's driving the ship, then that's a pretty clear sort of, like, line of where, like, mm. yeah, like, the justification, you can't, you shouldn't use education as justification for something that's really about money and entertainment if there's a two-second uh, sort of lip service to, like, oh, yeah, and, like, conservation dollars went to so-and-so. right. Um, Right uh, yeah. and social media then forces you to condense it even further to like 140 characters in a couple of pictures. and you can't do meaningful I, I don't think you can meaningfully do education in that sort of platform. Mm-hmm. That's separate from hunting TV, but in, if, in if social hunting media-
0: social media is trying to, to to teach people something, then I'd say most a, a large share of the time the, the message the, the lesson is perverse it's look what the big thing I shot by yeah. these products. Yes. Or no, I agree. Yeah. Um, uh, um, use, use dead animals to become uh, famous and look cool. Like me. Yeah. So, it, or well, so, the, so the that's the more, the more stuff you shoot the more followers you will get. Yeah.
1: Well, so there's two sides of that problem. Like one, I think there's a question about what is moral behavior of a social media influencer. And I would say like social media influencers, if they're saying that they're about education, access and conservation, um, need to be using the platform for that in a
0: genuine manner. And that means any number of things. But um, yeah, I, I'd, right. I'd argue they can do all that with net, without, Without ever showing a dead animal, and that's the litmus test to me. Like, prove to me. I totally that, agree. Yeah, prove to me that you're not doing this to like draw, brag or whatever. Yeah. Did you um, Did you know, read my? I wrote an article about hunting social media. Did you? See that? I, I did read it. Okay. And it's funny. I I my first
1: efforts to read it were in vain because I guess it was taken down. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then okay. I had yeah. to, and then I found it elsewhere on the internet. Okay. But no, I, I I largely agree with like the the main points you're making there. But so like I think like there's there's on one hand the influencer behavior, but then on the other hand there's the consumer behavior. And I just think like it Social media doesn't make us better people in any way. It makes it easier for us to, to uh, infringe upon um, sort of the infringe upon others in any number of ways. Make other people feel bad without really realizing it. Make other people more likely to do something, uh, harmful without realizing it makes somebody yeah. else more likely to cut a corner or take the easy path and not consider what they're doing than we realize it i just oh, think yeah like, those are great ones and for the, us. the one
0: that pisses me off the most and this is not to say that i don't see good in some social media i i do like it's a great can be could be a can be a great tool for for communicating issues of importance to any community that you want to talk about you know like whether it be the hunting community or etc like make it like as a just as just providing information and inspiring people to act with respect to issues that concern them uh but one of the with hunting social media what ticks me off more than anything is i know a lot of people that are very quiet humble pure hunters that are doing the conservation work and then and then they have to And 100, 100 social media i believe reflects on all hunters and i hate that they have to be like associated with or represented by these people that are obviously bragging and sure. trying to, to to trot out dead animals in a manner that sells products. It's just the false representation bit to me, plus the risks like to the, to, to, to the, to those hunters, hunters that hunt quietly, that don't put their stuff online, the risk that social media hunters and their content imposes on their hunting rights. Like, do you know about the grizzly bear thing that happened in British Columbia? No. So, British in British Columbia, there, the some guys shot this grizzly bear, and it slid down a snowbank and died. And they put it on social media, and it caused a a Twitter shitstorm. Yeah. And 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 the head of fishing game in British Columbia says no, like you know, so there's it's no longer politically tenable to have yeah. grizzly bear hunting um, in British Columbia. So it's like, they did that to everyone. Yeah.
1: Well, and part of the problem there to me is that social media forces you to collapse the whole issue into the video, um, or, or the one snippet. And that's where I think like the platform makes it so hard to engage as a good community member or good neighbor, um, Uh, I don't think it's impossible, but I think it puts so many barriers in the way of that sort of like good engagement that, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I at least agree with you. I mean, I think, um, the idea of hunters having to sort of speak for the community goes to show how that sort of issue of consideration also extends to considering your impacts On other hunters, (laughs) yeah, Uh, and so often social media promotes the just lobbing something out so that other hunters think you're cool. Yeah. Oh man,
0: and there's please, this like we're getting kind of in some ways we're getting away from the ethics bit, and we should get back to it. But yeah, yeah, it's like there's this there's this thing where I see people hamming it up on hunting TV and hunting social media and kind of making it like it's kind of perverse and so commercialized like with hunting tv shows there'll be a ticker tape running along the bottom listing Mm -hmm. all the products they're using and stuff like that yeah and i look at that i'm like man this is my thing yeah and like this is in a lot of people's thing that they are so passionate about and it's like these people are making a spectacle out of it yeah you know yeah it's So making making the spectacle
1: out of it, that's interesting. That's actually, I think there's a real moral element to that, which is that you're selling part you're 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 selling something that that is a community that like somebody selling something it's not theirs to sell is some part of the wrongness there. So if if the hunting community belongs to sort of all hunters, um, and maybe proportionally to the extent to which hunters buy into it and sort of help create it and shape it and foster it, then um Sort of who gets to then (laughs) sell it? Uh, That's a fraught question. I'm
0: open to the notion that that the people that are most involved in culturing it, and protecting it, and advancing it are not on social media. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There's no. I don't think there's any reason to believe that it. The loudmouths are doing more for conservation and access and habitat. Yep. Um, that's definitely true in my life. The hunters I know, the, the ones that do the most aren't aren't making, aren't attention-starved children that are saying, hey, look at me on social media. They're mature adults that are trying to do the right thing and protect their pastime and do the right thing by for wildlife, you know? Yep. So, you know, maybe we'll play with this one for a second. And, and, uh, I feel, (laughs) I feel like you and I see, I'm getting the sense that we see eye to eye on so much of this, that this is kind of like a, you've already kind of agreed with me on some that I didn't think you would. What, what surprised you? (laughs) Um, well, you were, you were, what, what does reticent mean? Does that mean you're reluctant? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You were reticent kind of, you were a little reticent on the, on the people gobbling up land and keeping it to themselves. What was the one? Uh, well, just to, like the, the social media hunters one, you were more open to that. You're quite open to that. Maybe being some of that stuff being unethical. Yeah.
1: Um, um, I'll work back. Re- reticent actually means reluctant to share one's views. Side note.
0: Um, oh, okay. You weren't reticent. Um, you were. So I was. I was. I was ambivalent.
1: Uh, uh, maybe I was um,
0: sympathetic. Yeah. Yeah. Undecided. Uh, yeah. Slightly yeah. undecided. Maybe.
1: I mean, got like. There's another question. Like, so for me again it's a question of motivation so like why is somebody gobbling up land is really important just because they can doesn't mean they should so if somebody's just gobbling up land to keep other people from accessing a resource that they've historically accessed because they can get money out of it that seems bad that seems morally bad
0: you know yeah Um, and it takes a lot of land to grow a trophy animal absolutely because if you don't have a lot of land then that those animals will be wandering onto other properties where they can get shot. Yep. So that's the idea there is you need a bunch of land. And then you have a small number of hunters and you can charge the bigger, the animal they kill, the more you can charge for it. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm wary that economics count
1: as moral justification alone. Which a lot of is, is what a lot of that boils down to, right? Like somebody just trying to make a business. I, I sort of, I get the reasoning there, but economics alone to me don't justify sort of necessarily a do whatever kind of stance.
0: So, like, man, with like, almost every other domain, I'm yeah, okay. I'm, I'm okay with it, except except hunting. Well, I think it's if there's a
1: domain where the backstop is there's something, um, (coughs) excuse me, um, something that needs justification. If something needs justification, like then to me, economics is going to be part of it, but it's not necessarily going to let you do whatever you want. Um, uh, So I would, yeah, I, I mean, I would carry it past hunting a bit, but
0: yeah. I like to make, I, I argue that I want people to feel like they they didn't accomplish anything. So like so many people that come out West and harvest the animal, like with the outfitter on leased land will yeah. donate the meat and fly the head home. Yeah. Like, so it's obvious that they think of that head as a trophy yep but i don't see it that way i don't i don't i see it as kind of an emblem to the time they went out west and excluded a bunch of other people and gobbled up a bunch of opportunity for themselves and and so it's like a kind of like a a testament to their greed in in a certain respect i mean a lot of these people aren't like trying to be greedy they just haven't thought it through you know i'm like yeah i'd say most people haven't thought it through like what that doing that the impact that has on other people and i don't i definitely don't see it like we talked about this already i don't think see it as a, a hunting accomplishment i think that be a a hunter be a over half of the of being of uh, the hunting accomplishment is finding your own spot, in my mind. Yeah, that's half the jo- That's over half the joy. I spend a lot of time scouting out new areas, and sure. I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. So, I don't know. I, who am I to say what what hunt, constitute hunt, constitute hunting and what constitutes something loosely affiliated with hunting? But like the scouting part. I mean, it's part and parcel of the whole thing to me.
1: Yeah. I think it's part of having like a genuine experience in the outdoors. Yeah. Is, is getting out there.
0: Oh. Yeah. So let's play around with this lot of the lying by omission one that I always bring up. Do you know what this yeah. one?
1: No. Well, there's lots of lying by omission.
0: Uh, yeah. Tricky, tricky cases. Okay. Um. So it is it is in it is completely necessary if you're going to be in the hunting tv game and the hunting social media game that you're going to it's all it, it's hard to believe that there's not any of them that it, any people that are in that those that do doing those things doing hunting tv or social media that don't eventually have to lie uh, or choose to lie okay leave out the bad shot yes yeah a, and i i as a bow hunter i can tell you it in bow hunting it happens all the time yeah all the time i have many first-hand examples of it it well i have many first-hand examples of it happening to me myself and other people I know of people that have left it off TV. I know of people left it off, left it off social media. And like, it's not like you left out, uh, when your shoe came untied and you had to bend over. No, that's a big thing to leave out. It's, Uh, it's the most consequential thing that happens on a hunt is when you wound something. Sure. Or, or,
1: or or, yeah,
0: well, (laughs) My fir- first elk hunt
1: I went on in Colorado. Um, I remember we, after a couple of days of walking around, we were in this really thick part of the woods trying to get to tree line, and we found a huge bull elk skeleton that looked mm. to be a couple years old, huge, like massive rack, and there was an arrow in the middle of the skeleton. Oh wow! Wow! It, it, was, is... it was in in really really thick timber. Oh wow! Where, like, that is cool. Like we were just stumbling around and stumbled upon this thing and we knew exactly what happened, but it was really sad, but really, yeah, it was really cool to see this, this huge, huge skeleton. Um, and you know, we didn't know the backstory, but, but, uh, either it was a wounded animal that that died later and the person couldn't find it or it was shot in thick timber that made it just too hard to to track the animal efficiently over whatever space was necessary or or whatever it was it was that exact case yeah Um, uh, and i remember thinking how yeah how much of a bummer it was how sad it was
0: it it felt like a kind of tragic occurrence Um, yeah as a bull hunter i can tell you that that is not a one-off thing that is a very common thing so yep. if you you know they'll and and hunting hunting celebrities will show that once in a while but yep. but not very often and it it's it's the frequency of the occurrence that matters well so here's an analogy that
1: comes to mind from me um so this is as as a as a backcountry skier. Also, everyone always, you you hear the phrase, it's always a powder day on Instagram or on the internet. (laughs) Okay. And, I
0: didn't know that, but I'm not surprised.
1: Yeah. But, but in, in education around risk management in, in like snow sports, there's outsized, um, talk about avalanches. Um, uh, and avalanches cause people to die every year. They cause accidents every year. Uh, but when you're learning how to backcountry ski, it's like 100% of what you learn about. You're just learning about where's avalanche terrain, uh, how to read an avalanche forecast, how not to get caught in this really bad
0: circumstance. So it's, if you don't it's, understand that, then nothing else matters. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And, and the hunting
1: analogy is that, well, maybe we should be spending way more time, like an, a disproportionate amount of time talking about how things go wrong. Um, where, like, that the platform should share a disproportionate amount of how things go wrong if the real motivation is about education. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Because if you don't avoid that, then you have this whole, you know, like, it's really hard to engage uh, in all those other ways you want to. Yeah. Uh, uh, at least, yeah, that's a, a sort of first thought.
0: <laughs> See how yeah, it's completely the opposite of yeah, that. Yeah, totally um like i say in my article i know people that uh, got the got got the thing on, up on their feed before the blood before the carcass cools when things go right but they don't yep. say shit when it goes wrong yeah and so i want to complete this for the 10th time in, um, in my in in talking about this well, maybe I've only talked about it on a few podcasts. So I'm like two podcasts maybe. So I'm not gonna feel too bad about it, but you go, then you go, okay. So they should show it all. But then the problem there is like we were alluding to earlier, one honor social media reflects on everybody. So that's, that reflects poorly on hunting. Well, so, I
1: actually disagree. I think it only reflects poorly if you take it lightly. And there's, there's sort of like this, um, this guilty until proven innocent sort of s- social phenomena where if you hide it, it seems like you're taking it lightly if you say like, wow, like, you know, uh, it's really unfortunate. We tried our best and, and we just couldn't recover the animal. Here's what happened. Here's my breakdown of how I'm going to try to avoid it next time. Here's what we could have done differently in the moment. I think if you sort of like take the responsibility, um, I don't think that reflects badly on hunters. I think that actually that shows people how considerate hunters are.
0: I've been on hunts where, I I've been on hunts where I've done this twice over a week. Mm-hmm. I, I was on one hunt where a social media hunter did it twice in a week, though it didn't make his feed. So he center punt, he gut shoots two elk in one trip. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that him showing a bunch of remorse is going to make non-hunters and anti-hunters be like, oh, well, he was remorseful about it.
1: I think it does if it's true remorse, which to me is genuinely doing everything one can. Well, to do it again. True. I mean, right? maybe like, there's
0: an argument. that true remorse would have been notching your tag after the first one. Sure. Yeah. I mean that that I would maybe that I, maybe I, that I is. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, but uh, But what? I don't understand why. <laughs> See me. Okay. So I want you to I want you to flesh out your argument, but I just want to give sure. you my punchline and before my punch mine is if you if you don't show any of if you show it all you ri, you you're risking hunting for people the future of hunting for people that don't show any of it sure and if you don't show it all you're lying by omission yeah so you're you're in a pretty tough spot in my view where you kind of paint yourself into a corner, and the only like to me that's why I come down on the side of don't show any of it. Well, so
1: that's really interesting. I mean, one way to talk about that is like it sounds like you're taking what some would
0: call like a precautionary principle. So that, that oh, one more thing I want to throw in, and I'm going to let yeah, you talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that this is the one where, in my view, um, thank God you're being a jerk. Huh. So if you're wounding animals, yeah, and then lying by omission, it might be like, well, thank God you're being a jerk, because if you were being honest, you might mess it up for everybody else.
1: Sure. Although, would you would you rather the person, in, in a possible world, would you rather the situation where the jerk messes it up just for them? Like if it was possible for the jerk who's just ruining a ton of animals. Right. Like that, that seems like that's the best case. Yeah. And that would only come by them being honest and people not attributing it to other hunters. So if there's a jerk out there, like, like the best scenario seems like one where there's full sunlight on them being a jerk. And then that's not interpreted or not imposed on others.
0: Yeah. But it's not even them being a jerk. It's just like something that happens in bull hunting a lot. Sure. It just shines poorly on, on bow hunting. But would you say that like, that's something
1: that people who want to get into bow hunting
0: should know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So, so I don't think sharing none of it's a solution. Well, show it in magazines, like you're saying. Exactly. So
1: that's what I was going to say. I think that that's where um, the problem is, I don't know how I, th- I don't know how hunting TV factors into this, but I think there's a clear difference between because hunting TV is sort of in between uh, social media and magazines because so much of hunting TV is presented as like reality shows. Oh, um, see, I don't, I don't see problem. any
0: difference between hunting TV and hunting social media, but
1: so, well, I, I do. And I don't, but maybe let's yeah, put yeah, a pin yeah, in yeah, well,
0: for yeah. a minute. So,
1: got a lot of so threads like now, but. strict social media versus magazines, social media is presented as though, it is the real here and now. It's called Instagram, right? Okay. Like that. Right. Like we, oh, yeah. I never pieced that engage together. Engage with yeah. it, like it. It's it's a oh, this is the reality of the moment right now, and something in a magazine you know is curated. You know that going in. You know this isn't. This didn't happen today. This is from last season. This is the best of the best stories. This is somebody who who sort of like thoughtfully interpreted and digested and engaged and then presented something back to the community. That's okay, let me let me challenge you on one
0: let me challenge you on one component of that. Which yeah if you look at the 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 mo of a hunting social a social media hunter. Yeah they're so starved for content yep that it'll be like here's my buck and now here's me exercising. Now here's me pumping iron Now you your me shooting my bow and running to get ready for next year because there's this whole athlete thing built into the whole fucking deal yeah. um but then there'll be all kinds of here's another picture of that buck i got last month yeah and then the next month it's here's me pu-, you know packing out that buck well um, and sometimes so they sometimes metered I've noticed, it out they metered but- out to keep people engaged so sometimes, it's not uh, it's so insta as like, well, but it's even worse than that because sometimes
1: when they meter it out, it's not clear. This is all the, that one buck from a while back. Sometimes it's just, here's a picture of me packing out meat this past fall. And you don't know that it's the same animal or not. And it's presented right, right, so right, it's right. like, oh, you know, I went and shot 15 animals and it's yeah. presented as like, you know, every week is just this, this, this perfect plethora of big game yeah. coming at me from every which way. And it's <laughs> like, oh no, like you had one great trip and you're milking that trip for all it's
0: worth. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, right. A lot so of these well, guys shoot three or four elk in a year though. Sure Um, and 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 they're extremely proud of that fact yeah I think they should be extremely ashamed I
1: yeah I I agree that's um, too
0: many but uh but yeah so it's like yeah (laughs) yeah it's just interesting to think about that they want to make it seem like they shot even more than they did whereas I'm looking at it and going like what if you know success rates on elk are 10 percent Don't you think that somebody else would like to make a harvest? Sure, absolutely. (laughs) Well, and yeah,
1: so I think that there's that really important difference with curation because it's presented as reality, even though it's stretched out and you get all these different bits, you think you're getting sort of a... Complete picture, and I know people like intellectually. We know it's not a complete picture. We know it's not real. We know that 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 it's all um, kind of BS. But we still don't digest it that way. That's not how people then respond to it. Right. So the reality of social media is such that 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 lie of omission problem is um, amplified. Whereas in something like a magazine, it's that lie of omission problem. It could still be there, but it's sort of tamped down. Like okay, it's, so, it's weakened. Yeah.
0: Do we, do we all know that? I mean, I know, I know it, but nah, God, not even really. Like if I look, so, you know, I hold my nose and look at hunting social media once in a while, because I want to have some idea, some familiarity with the thing that I am trying to critique. Yeah. And, you know, I'm real prone to jealousy when I see some guy that's got some big freaking thing. Sure. You know, I don't know. I don't, I'm not reading between the lines. I'm like, oh, he got a great big thing. Now I might suspect that he got it like by hunting some private land that I could never get access to. And I'll tell myself that, but even that some people wouldn't care that it was on private land. So I guess the point I'm saying getting at is don't, don't you think some people take it at face value, what they're seeing in hunting social media? Yeah.
1: Yeah i mean certainly yeah like definitely some people take it at face value yeah but um i think that's a different question than like what does hunting social media do and specifically okay. like what does it do for hunting
0: oh uh, yeah you know it doesn't well yeah it doesn't do it i mean it doesn't in my viewpoint it doesn't do anything good but uh, other than well I, when i say that i say posting dead animals and dying animals to strangers doesn't do any good sure you know like because you could say hunting social media doesn't do any good that's about that's how i found out about this new access initiative sure in which or this new corner crossing bill you know in which case hell yeah it does a lot of good so what i i gotta be careful i'm just saying showing showing strangers dead and dying animals in my viewpoint doesn't have any there's no redeeming qualities to that uh, yeah, I mean,
1: I think I agree, <laughs> which maybe <laughs> makes for a bad, <laughs> a no, bad yeah. exchange. No, I agree. I think, I think that, that, uh, social media is good for hunting insofar as people use it responsibly. And I think that it's really hard to use it responsibly. And I think that posting pictures of dead and dying animals for entertainment or to sell something is not responsibly use. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I don't, you know, I'm, I don't know if that's most people. And I think that like, this comes from somebody who quit social media because I decided personally that I was making a lot of excuses about how I used social media. And at the end of the day, just couldn't justify engaging with it because I didn't think it was making me a better person or my life go better for me. I thought it was more like a sort of addiction. Sure. Where you, where you want to compare what you did to other people. And then along the way, you're being fed stuff that you don't realize are, are ads for somebody else's gain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I flirted with, so I was never like a real user, but I flirted with it a few times. Yeah. And, um, I think I caught myself in the nick of time I was like, where I was like, this up got to stop now. Yeah. Because I'm not a mentally like the most well-adjusted person to begin with. I'm prone to anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm medicated for depression have been for two decades and I just could see right off the bat that, it that me getting into that shit was not going to go well. Um, it's
1: not good for, I don't think it's good for people. Yeah. Like the con- the connection it, it builds, I, it just doesn't seem worth the cost to me at least. Um, yeah. Now maybe that in part that's I think it, it all has to be designed a certain way, but um, it's really hard I think to engage in a productive way. Yeah. And and for some people maybe it's totally possible, but um, yeah, as someone who hyper analyzes stuff because of my profession, I I um I couldn't deal with the kind of analysis that I was getting dragged into and in, and in what I was seeing on social media.
0: Yeah. I'm sure there are people that benefit from him, from it. Some of the, some of the, so like some of the more widely followed social media hunters have a lot of motivational content in terms of exercise. So I see benefit there.
1: Yeah. I don't know if I do. Because I like, and this is, again, this is really cynical of me and probably will piss people off, but I like, is it to, is it for the sake of getting people to exercise or because, is it because now there's exercise companies that'll throw a few
0: bucks? Oh no, there's, I, I I don't think that, I don't think there's any part of it. That's these people going, boy, I sure am (laughs) worried about the, the, The physical health of the American population. So, I better start doing some hunting social media and show me exercising. I don't want to do it, but I really want people to be healthy. I don't think it's a byproduct. It's a now it's here. Here's the weird thing about that to me because
1: I think that when companies do it directly, I actually don't mind at all. Um, And I don't think there's anything wrong with it because we all know, like if, if, if a company is trying to sell us something, if a company wants you to buy a pair of pants because they think they're the best pants to go hunting in. Okay. Well, like we know that, like that's that's sort of an honest, (laughs) right? Like I know, I know, I know. I like you're making products I'm buying products. Let's figure out what I want and what you have. And yeah, (laughs) tell me, tell me what this can do for me. Yeah, yeah. Really straightforward. (laughs) But when, you know, uh, uh, Joe Hunter, says working out in my new xgk pants whatever whatever and and it's just sort of like floated in front of you um it's not mediated in an honest way to me that's that's the problem i see Um, because i i totally don't mind when there's when there's ads from companies that sell products i like or even um if companies have explicitly like very explicitly sponsored content or if a company makes a video that says their logo in giant letters out front and it says here's we're going to show you what our thing can do that doesn't that seems like you know it's it's weird to now like stand up for for the corporate interests
0: that i think are maybe corrupt no, me. no, uh, social media i I'm think
1: like it's bad. honest
0: <laughs> i have warmth in my heart for advert for like real advertising now. Totally. Like but yeah, because it's so damn subliminal. Like with social media, it's so you ever hear about there's I wish I could remember the details about this, but it was so long ago. But I know there was I I I know I've heard this story too many times for it to not be true, but they would they did some study where they would take out a couple slides in the in a movie. And replace them with one that said like popcorn or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard some of those stories, and we should. I should look into it, but see. Maybe I, it. I don't know if it's true or not. Oh, really? But I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Okay. Um, I kind of sense that. Like, oh, I kind of sense that that would work for me, maybe, because sometimes I'll be listening to a podcast or something, and somebody'll will say will say like you know I probably smoke weed every once every two weeks or something like that and somebody'll say something about smoking weed and the next thing you know um like impulsively looking for my pipe yeah you know just it's this in the little air. this little impingement on the on my s- conscience sure so it's It also would take would be to you for you to somehow know that you saw that subconsciously but it didn't quite enter your conscience yeah then you would be heading out to the lobby for some popcorn so it doesn't yeah. seem out, outside the realm of possibility but yeah, that's this is kind of an aside your point is well taken that it's just <laughs> kind of sneaky yeah yeah um, totally it should advertising's like buy this it's a win for you and us
1: (laughs) and i'm like that's great and sometimes it is and i'm like yeah that's great like you know i really need that new pair of pants and like i'm gonna research which ones to buy and you're gonna tell me and that's awesome (laughs) Uh, i even like reading like i i this this now sounds really weird because this is not that far from social media i don't mind when outdoor brands have blogs on their websites oh right like that doesn't bother me either where 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 there's a story presented in that context okay it's it's not next to my neighbor's feed or my friend joe's feed yes right it's not folded in in any way it's like i it's the same as the magazine it's i know what i'm where i'm going i know how it's curated i know the motivations here and there are cool stories that are just cool stories yeah sometimes it's awesome to read a cool story
0: if they were going to do if those Outlets were going to defend themselves, they could say something along the lines of, If you didn't want to see stuff like this, then why the hell are you here? Yep,
1: yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, uh, and that's that's fair to me. There, um, we just don't control what we see in social media
0: at all, yeah, yeah. Well, we've been going almost two hours and I covered everything I wanted to cover. I don't want to like cut this short if you had more you want to talk about do you have any no i i think it's a really interesting conversation
1: i'm uh
0: yeah so i can say you know i i have a lot of misgivings about doing this podcast like it's taken a lot of time and yeah i'm kind of thinking of it i'm definitely thinking of it as I was on the board of Montana backcountry hunters and anglers for a while. And yeah. Not anymore. So I was, when I was doing that, that, that was my giving back. The giving back component of my hunting life was doing yeah. that. And now I think of this as that. Yep. So just trying to get people to think about what they're so, doing. So can I ask you a question? Sure. Is doing a podcast
1: a version of engaging with social media or otherwise uh sort of contributing to the world of
0: content yeah so it is it is but you knew there was going to be a conjunction in there that conjunction in particular yeah i'm not peddling how-to content yep uh i'm not trying to create more hunters so i can sell products um so and like i say i and i and i and i listen to a ton of podcasts yeah so it's like yeah i'm doing a i'm doing a hunting podcast but it's not i'm doing something in the hunting sphere that's that's outward facing but i don't see it in any way contributing to the things I have concerns about I think well then
1: then here's my last thought as a philosopher yeah Uh, it seems like then the issue you take is with the constraints that should be placed on how content makers engage not that they engage
0: well okay sure but I I think that we'd be way better off if 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 we just took took dead animals and dying animals off computers and, and T V sure. screens. So maybe so, that's the
1: Like that's the constraint. Like it's just like that's like that's, that's a fundamentally that, that is a constraint. Yeah. Dead animals shouldn't be on on the internet.
0: Yeah. And um, I, I don't think there'd be much i don't think there'd be a
1: heck i think who would lose there's an there's an interest litmus test who would lose is there any hunter that would really lose if you couldn't post pictures of dead animals no no
0: no and i think that see i think i think of all that content if it has if it has a dead animal in it or a dying animal in it then in my view it there's all kinds of negatives all kinds of them but here's one that I'm going to pick one that a lot of people can get behind and the people that can't get behind, I am willing to like disagree with. It is, it is free advertising for people that are trying to lease out land or, or people that have leased up land, like an outfitter and are trying to sell it to you. It's also Uh, free advertisement for anti hunters. Oh, and it's, yeah, that, that, that as well so um and and what's rich about that is a lot of the people that are showing you dead and dying animals all the time They 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 purport to be public land hunters that are trying to do something for access yeah so
1: it it doesn't square yeah. No, I think like, like that makes sense as a constraint then just like that's yeah. the line yeah. or, or, or if you wanted to try to carve something out, it would have to be like only dead animals on public land. And you have to show the picture after you showed the picture of the meat, the prep, the scoping, the hunting, the, or the you know, the whole process that goes. But into- then
0: that, that opens it right back up into yeah. using dead animals to sell products and, yep. and, and attract people. To uh, already overcrowded endeavor, and one I might add, where there's no clinical evidence that it makes anybody happier more fulfilled. There's none. So if we
1: can't square that carve out,
0: then just yeah, that's the one. Yeah, the line at yeah. uh, no dead animals. People like to act like they're being virtuous when they're when they're trying to you know pro, uh, hype up hunting and promote it, uh, but. I struggle with that because if there's no clinical evidence that makes you happier, more well adjusted. There's cl- lots of clinical evidence that yoga does. Yeah. And meditation and spending,
1: there's some clinical evidence that shows spending time outdoors does.
0: Spending outside. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, so if it's a vehicle for that. Yeah. That oh, great. yeah. You yeah. get. <laughs> yes. Sure. Okay. I'll give <laughs> you that. <Okay>. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like. Why not just say go outside?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's something that does bug me a little bit in hunting media is there's often a conflation between hunting and going outside. Like it's the only way to go outside. Yeah. I also think there's a, a conflation between hunting and conservation. Like you have to hunt to engage in, in any sort of like, Care for wildlife, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and that it's not to say that there's not a, a you know particular relationship, but like we shouldn't want it to be restricted to the five yeah. percent of people. That hunt. We should want protecting wildlife to be accessible to anybody.
0: Right. There's um, a lot of tropes that yeah we all that are peddled in all the time, and in my viewpoint, that's because the only people that have a voice in the hunting sphere are people that make money off of it. Sure. So that's why hunting is so like conflated with or like it's like a hunting is conservation that's where <clears throat> that one comes from there's another one's like we going to maintain a voting block so need yep. more hunters and, and I, yeah i don't i don't buy into any of that stuff personally i think that 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 if if more hunters had voices that weren't making money off of it i think the conversation would change a lot but yep agree. hey uh so like i was saying i started to say i have a lot of misgivings about doing this because of the, the time it's taken me and so i'm kind of thinking of it as my giving back in the hunting sphere this is my way i do it now but yep. it's still tough it takes a lot of time yeah but it, it, i mean alex this has been such a great conversation i'm um, so, so great that uh it i i'm i i i feel, um, more motivated to keep doing it. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. So if I can keep having conversations like this, I'll be more motivated to keep doing it right on. Uh, I think it's an important conversation. So thank you. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. Yeah.
1: Anytime. And next time you're, uh, in Alaska, let me know. We could, uh, have a beer. Oh,
0: I would love to meet you in person. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun.